Ahoy, Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and I'm covering all of the Nickelodeon shows that either started or ended between the times of February 6th and February 12th. We are finally back on track, ladies and gentlemen. Got everything taken care of with the uh, the end of the year's um, rush finally ending with, with January. It's, it's crazy when you work in certain businesses January for a lot of people signifies the beginning of the year, but for a lot of businesses, it's February that signifies the beginning of the fiscal year. And you go from from February to January of the following year. So uh, depending on on the business you're in, sometimes the end of January for you is more of a relief than anything else. And uh, and yeah, so so everything going forward, moving smoothly here on the ship, uh, have some episodes going forward in the can. So uh, we're going back to our, our original release schedule and uh, and we're gonna stick to it for, for as long as uh, as long as, as life isn't going to be throwing any icebergs towards my way. Uh, but yeah, we're starting this week all the way with a show that just premiered last year on February 8th, 2021, the newest Nickelodeon game show tuned in. Uh, presented by Jerry Trainer and directed by Genji Keen, the show finally brings Nickelodeon's Nicktoons to the forefront in their own trivia show. I, I can't get more behind this than I'm already at. Um, this is the kind of show that if, if it didn't already exist and I had an elevator pitch for Nickelodeon, it would be a show I would absolutely pitch for them. Hey, classic, messy Nickelodeon game show, but but bring the trivia of, of the Nicktoons uh, at the forefront. And I really, really enjoy that uh, because they have such a rich history of Nicktoons and it gives kids more of a reason to go back and maybe watch some of those older shows, which I, I think there are still quality to, to be found in those old programs. And I just don't know why they're not airing more reruns of those on the main channel because there's a whole generation of kids who have not witnessed Rocco's Modern Life and Jimmy Neutron and the Angry Beavers and Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy. And it's, you know, bring back a Snick kind of format where you're airing these old shows. I mean, we just heard the news that Nick Rewind is no longer a part of the Teen Nick lineup. They're not airing the, those shows anymore. So why not? Why not have a Saturday or a Sunday morning lineup devoted to some of these classic shows on your channel and just use it to further promote Paramount Plus? There you go. Promote Paramount Plus. You air the legacy content. You're you're guaranteed. There's just there's no way reruns of current shows are going to get. I mean, I'm, I know I'm wrong about that. Reruns of SpongeBob beats everything else out on that channel. So but I don't know. I think bringing back. Some of those shows having themed months, themed weeks. And you know what? If I could for a second, if any fans of Monster Vision out there remembers Monster Vision out on TNT used to be this old Saturday night staple on the TNT network. And it was a, a programming block hosted by Joe Bob Briggs. 
um, a gentleman who would present horror movies to you, monster movies, uh, with with as a fan, giving you trivia. He was a, he was a host for the night, and he would be in between the commercial breaks of these movies just to give you a little extra spice if you were a fan of that that content instead of just watching it and getting commercials. And he was an absolute wonderful host of of those movies, and it kind of brings up other other kind of similar acts on television, Elvira being one of them, or if you're a fan of Sven Gulli, usually these people are presenting horror movies or, or, or whatnot. But I think in that same realm, there is an opportunity for there to be somebody to present on a, on a weekly basis these kind of legacy programs. Now, I, of course, would like to nominate myself. I mean, can you imagine Sunday nights with Captain Eric watching some old Nicktoons, old Nick shows with some trivia in between each one? Sure, that'd be a great time. But if not me, there should be a way to bring some of this older stuff to the forefront. And uh, and yeah, I, I really think it tuned in back to our uh, show here is is a great way of bringing older Nicktoons and even just some newer ones, bringing that trivia to the to the forefront i'm all about it the show is still ongoing it's in its second season and it currently has 27 episodes i hope it continues on uh further and further i hope they they bring more uh, of the classic nicktoons and some newer ways to uh to newer viewers in a game show in in talk shows other ways that that can all be done two years ago on february 9th 2020 the final episode of shimmer and shine premiered on Nick Jr. Created by Farnaz Eshnashari Sharmats, the show ran for four seasons of 86 episodes. I hope I did not botch that name. I hope I got that correctly. I Yeah, uh, wonderful show. I've not seen it uh, at all, but I know that at the time when I was uh, teaching, this show was, was incredibly popular, and, uh, and it seemed like it was doing well on television. There was a lot of products out there. I would see... Uh, shimmer and shine backpacks and t-shirts so it seemed like it was it was doing successful uh I, apparently on march 18th 2018 new episodes of the show were moved to the separate nick jr channel which it's crazy to think that they were doing to the nick jr shows as they were doing to the nicktoons where they would air a season or two and then if it just didn't perform to a certain expectation they would move new episodes over to the nicktoons network uh, so it's it's crazy to see that even for Nick Jr. no one is no one is uh is away from from this possibility if your show apparently doesn't perform or you know hey they they obviously need new content to show up on the Nick Jr. channel I so I understand same thing with Nicktoons Network but I I think if you want people to uh really tune in to those channels you got to offer that that original content that's what people are are really looking for. The Four Seasons is an absolute uh, dominant run there for Shimmer and Shine. Uh, a not-so-dominant run is our next entry here. Four years ago, on February 10th, 2018, we had the final episode of Bunsen is a Beast on Nickelodeon. The show, created by Butch Hartman, only ran for a single season of 26 episodes. Uh, this ex good example of a show that just, if it wasn't performing to a certain level, would then just get moved over to the sister channel. Bunsen is a Beast uh, um, moved over to the Nicktoons Network still in its first season. That's where its final episode actually aired on February 10th, 2018 on the Nicktoons Network, which just, in all honesty, is, um, is a big step down and, and kind of 
uh, a letdown to see it being Butch Hartman's last project with the channel and just for his exit there. It just everything feels off about Bunsen as a beast. Uh, there's still something there. There really is. It would be completely wrong for me to say that Butch Hartman ran out of ideas, and I, and I hear people may say that, and I don't think it's true. I think there there is still creativity to be found in these projects, and, and even though Tough Puppy may have not reached the same level of popularity as Danny Phantom and the Fairly Odd Parents, but there there's still entertainment to be found in those characters. There's still stories to be told. I don't think... At any point throughout Tough Puppy, I would have said that that the man is just out of ideas. They were still making good entertainment for children. And and there was, even if you were adult, I think there were uh, ep certainly episodes and characters of Tough Puppy you can certainly find enjoyable. But one thing I would say that was a big letdown, and I'm sure Butch would have to agree with this, the, the man is an animator at heart. But just the, I feel like the way that, that we make animation now, as easier as it is, just comes off a bit cheaper. I mean, extraordinarily cheaper, and just feels off. I mean, the the look at the final season of the Fairly Odd Parents and compare that animation wise to even like season three or four of the Fairly Odd Parents, and and you let kids pick which one they visually would rather watch, and I'm I'm sorry, I like feel like majority of people, children, would rather watch that fluid yet choppy looking animation than the just pitch perfect, you know, animation of the final seasons. And there was a bit of that all over Bunsen is a Beast. I mean, it's more stark with the Fairly Odd Parents because you're used to it in one style and then it kind of converts over. Bunsen, we had that from the beginning, but it just, it felt off and I, you know, I even with the designs, I felt like Butch was almost purposely trying to, you know, be different here instead of whereas Danny Phantom kind of felt almost like a similar art style to the Fairly Odd Parents and even Tough Puppy kept that that thick outline style. Um, and that thick outline style continues. But when it came to designing humans, it's almost like he looked at the Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom and said, "Nope, I got to do something completely different." Everybody has seen what is I what I've done with humans before, and I don't know. It just there's there's just so much of it that feels off. And then getting a crossover episode with the Fairly Odd Parents also is just what a step down, really, for the Fairly Odd Parents from crossing over with with Jimmy Neutron to then crossing over with a show that that just is just here. It almost kind of feels forced. That's kind of where it feels dirty a little bit where it's like, you're making us watch this show to get this crossover. But I, I do think there is a lot of fun to be found with Bunsen is a beast. I don't want to make this sound like it's a, it's a truly big negative, but especially for, for his last project, that's where it's like, man, I, I kind of feel let down from it a bit um, for, for his swans on here. I still think there is a bit of, of Bunsen is a Beast that is worth your time. And I think, you know, given an episode or two, you should see whether or not that you, you would like this animation and the, the writing and the characters. So check it out. Give it a watch. And if it's not your cup of tea, it, it, don't worry. There's like eight seasons of gold with the Fairly Odd Parents that you can find. There's uh, Danny Phantom is always worth a watch. And being that it's three seasons, it's an easy bingeable show. So... 
I don't know. I would I would check out those and, and even check out Tough Puppy. I don't know. Butch Hartman has, has made a lot of gold with Nickelodeon. And, and if Bunsen is just not for you, there's something else that will be. I, I, I promise you on that one. Five years ago, on February 6th, 2017, Nella the Princess Knight premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Christine Ritchie, Ph.D., Give credit where credit's due. The show ran for two seasons of 60 episodes. Seven years ago, on February 6th, 2015, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water was released in theaters. The second theatrical SpongeBob SquarePants film was directed by Paul Tibbet and was made for a budget of about 60 to $74 million and had a box office return of $325.2 million. A success for SpongeBob, both critically and financially at the box office, uh, continued to show the power of this character. Ten years plus since his last theatrical film was was still a powerhouse. And, uh, you know, the Sponge Out of Water is, even after all this time, for me, it's, it's a weird film on whether or not I love it or just like it because... On one hand, I, I really love that most of the film is 2D animated. I love that animation, and seeing it on the big screen again was was an absolute treat. I know that a lot of complaints of moviegoers came from the fact that a lot of the advertising of this movie showed the characters in their CGI forms. A big you know promotional part was that these characters would leave the undersea world of 2D animation and make their way to 3d animation on the on the you know on our world they'll interact with humans although that happened in the first movie with no change of the characters dimensions but hey we, we never really saw these characters in a proper 3d setting so um being that all that advertisement was made on that part one would expect a hefty majority of this movie would would take place on that but if you had any semblance of knowledge of how they advertise these things and just story-wise I think a lot of us knew going in you know a lot of us fans I meant knew going in that that was probably not going to be as much and, and most of us were hoping for it even if we didn't fully know and uh yeah it's only really like the last part of the movie that takes place um on land with interactions of the SpongeBob characters with the human characters the plot of this movie takes our villain Antonio Banderas, um, actor Antonio Banderas, playing a character known as Burgerbeard, who travels to Bikini Atoll, the island we see above Bikini Bottom. And within that island lies a book that apparently tells the story of SpongeBob SquarePants. And by interacting with this book, it has magical properties that are able to interact between the worlds of spongebob and you know burger beard which is our world uh he steals the crusty crab secret formula by these means and is then is able to sell the crabby patty uh on land as his own creation um the characters eventually through time travel means and dimensional hopping means are able to get into our world in a three-dimensional plane and uh in start battling Burger Beard in a massive superhero-like uh, spectacle that 
is is really fun and honestly as hokey as I thought it was going to be. I really enjoyed that section of the movie. I was really happy with the amount of 2D animation I got and then even when it you know went to the the CGI part like okay this is the build up this is what this whole movie has been built around and it's actually a pretty fun sequence. I I enjoy it, you know, on on any subsequent watch throughs of that movie. I've I've since enjoyed it. Uh, it's it was a very successful film. I'm surprised it took them that long to make another SpongeBob SquarePants movie. The first movie was such a big hit, and I know that that was meant to be the finale. But once SpongeBob continued, I figured they would announce a, another movie fairly soon. And it took until 2012, I believe, until until they they fully announced the movie um, being in production and that it was going to be coming out by 2014. Um, yeah, missed that by a little bit, but SpongeBob at that point, even with the declining ratings, had ascended to just such an iconic character that I think Paramount Pictures just realized that even though they keep hawking old characters from 50 plus years ago in CGI movies, they hey, we can continue SpongeBob in in film form even if one day they decide to end the television series. So why not keep making these things? Uh, I know it's a hassle for the crew to be able to juggle both the TV series and a movie, but the movies are are what are really exciting to me. But one thing that really has to stop is this idea that I, I know that when you think of grand SpongeBob adventures, you, you think, well, the the grandest adventure you could go on is is leaving the ocean and exploring the land. And that's cool and all, but that's been done in three movies now. And I just feel, like, with as vast as the ocean is, there are so many unexplored parts of the undersea floor that you can explore for future film adventures that would be just as exciting and increase stakes without having to just go back to the, the well now of, oh, the characters are on land. Like, uh, that's that's been done multiple times now, so... I, I would really like for if there's ever a, another SpongeBob film in theaters, I know that there's a, a possible Sandy project coming to Netflix, but if there's ever a, a two-dimensional SpongeBob film in theaters, explore another part of the ocean. There, there's more stories to tell around the world with these characters. But uh, yeah, if you haven't watched Sponge Out of Water in a while, definitely worth a rewatch. It, it, it is a charming film. Uh, I really wish the Thank Gosh It's Monday song was... Uh, was present in the film. I loved that uh, that animated scene, the song that goes with it. There's some shout-outs to the original movie in that sequence, and that was like my one disappointment in seeing that movie because they, they put that whole sequence online uh, to show off the movie, and I just fell in love with the animation and just I wanted to see that in the big screen, and it, when it didn't happen, I just remember, at least for that moment, like right when it shifted over, past where that song would have fit in place i was a little bummed out but that if you've never seen that sequence check that one out online too but uh yeah seven years ago for sponge out of water eight years ago on february 8th 2014 monsters vs. aliens finished its run on nickelodeon the show was developed for the small screen by mark mccorkle and bob schooley and is a spin-off based of the big screen blockbuster movie from DreamWorks, Monsters vs. Aliens. It was a, a slight success at the box office. I saw it in theaters. I enjoyed the concept. I enjoyed the 
the characters. I enjoyed the voice cast. And at the thought of a TV version of that, I said, you know, it, it could work better as an episodic series than as a movie series because it, it didn't do well enough in theaters for DreamWorks to just come right out of the gate and say that there was going to be a sequel. I mean, they would have no problem if a new IP hit a home run out of the out of the box office for them to announce a sequel and with with monsters versus aliens it seemed perfectly set up for there to just be multiple sequels i mean you know monsters versus aliens round two boom that's the title right there it just i i love the concept and it, i wish more people were were into it i mean it, it has its flaws as a movie but it's still entertaining i like the show but just not as much. There's there's some bit of the charm missing, and it certainly has to do with the voice cast because I Bob is the most endearing character of the movie, and and Seth Rogen has a lot to do with that. His voice helps with that, you know, bring a life to that character. And although the uh, the voice actor that they have here playing Bob, Eric Eldenstein, does a, a good job in his own right. For me personally, that was a part of it I just I just couldn't get into because I loved that character so much. Beyond the fact that it was Seth Rogen. I'm not if somebody can can do a good impression, I can get by that. I'm not a baby. Uh but yeah, just the show brought more comedy to the screen, brought more aliens that would be a part of it instead of just having the the ones from the the movie. And it it just it just didn't catch with audiences as much as the movie didn't, the TV show didn't as well and and this was also at a time when Nickelodeon was looking to to move away from the DreamWorks projects and find more of their in-house projects uh, you know bringing more forefront to those instead of just helping out with DreamWorks uh, this was i believe the third uh TV show out of uh, DreamWorks the first being the Penguins of Madagascar and the second being Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness so uh, executive producer Bob Schooley did mention that the, the cancellation was due to low ratings, but also mentioned that that Nickelodeon wanted to move on from it. And, and that's understandable. I mean, there, you know, there's only so much that that, you know, the DreamWorks cast can help bring to your channel. And if it's if it's not financially incentive to keep making them, then you'd move on. And that's seemingly what had happened there. Fifteen years ago, on February 10th, 2007, the final episode of Cat Scratch premiered on Nickelodeon. The show created by Doug Tenaple ran for one season of 20 episodes. Uh, it was a loose adaptation of his graphic novel Gear, uh, which also has uh, all of the pretty much the main core set of cats in the book, but is a completely different story than what we we get on screen. It's like he took these three cats he liked from the book and and spun it off in a in a different story with some callbacks to the the book as well. Uh, one thing that I just remember about this Nicktoon is the the promotional material for this show was touting it as the next greatest Nicktoon, and it had the look of a Nicktoon. It had the feeling, but I remember watching a decent amount of the episodes of this and it was the first Nicktoon that I just didn't fall in love with. This is where I may have just noticed that my time was coming up with 
with the Nicktoon lineup. And honestly, like my my love for the the sh like my love for Nicktoons, like the core group, pretty much up to 2005. I include Ang in there because I really loved Avatar: The Last Airbender, and that for me is like my hey. If there was a final Nicktoon to fall in love with, Avatar is is the one. But there was just something about Cat Scratch that. It, it had the bells and whistles, but it just the feeling was off for me. Uh, it didn't didn't catch well with audiences uh, of the past Nicktoons. So maybe I was not alone in that feeling. Uh, but it, it, I'm sure there are fans of Cat Scratch still out there. So if you're a fan of that show, I'm just saying it was not for me. But if it's for you, that's that's a good thing. I hope I hope you are still able to enjoy the, the episodes and look back on them. Uh, I, I don't know if it's I'll, I'll ever give it another shot, but if, if somebody out there really pushes me enough, maybe I'll, I'll give Cat Scratch another watch through. But there's so many other shows before Cat Scratch I would I would have to get to. So even if it was added to the list, it's getting it's getting added closer to the bottom. But it is a short watch through only one season. I, I might be able to get through that. Uh, this next show should have been before Cat Scratch. I, I just didn't double check. People make mistakes, but I'm chugging forward. Uh, 14 years ago, on February 7th, 2008, Nihao Kailan premiered on Nickelodeon. The show, created by Karen Chow, ran for two seasons of 40 episodes and brought uh, Mandarin Chinese to Nick Jr. in the way that Dora the Explorer brought uh, Spanish to Nick Jr. And I, I really like that. I like using preschool shows as a way just to bring some very simple phrases and words of other languages just so that there doesn't have to be such a language barrier between people. I, I really hope, I, I know that sign language has been used um, in shows to help, but I, I hope that one day there's more of a sign language show uh, on Nickelodeon to, to help with kids learning sign language on a, on a bigger scale, um, which is, I swear that this was not a lead into this next show, but our next show that we're dealing with, but 17 years ago on February 11th, 2005, Ubi had its final episode on Noggin. And if you have no idea what Ubi is and how that could possibly have been a joke as, uh, as a lead in from sign talking about sign language, uh, just look up Ubi. O-O-B-I. Ubi is an original uh, creation on the Noggin Network and started out as a series of interlude shorts in between various shows on Noggin uh, before being upgraded to a full 13-minute uh, episode show in its second season. Now, this show is pretty much hand puppets, but the most literal interpretation of an hand puppet because for those that choose not to look up Ubi and are just trudging on ignoring what all my references Ubi is literally a puppet show in which people are using their hands and they have uh, those little like plastic eyes that you can put on your hands to then help make a hand puppet and there are many different characters and various ways that you can make people out of your hands and it's interesting to see it is a bizarre show when you first see it. And if you're an adult, you're like, what? Just the thought of this being a show. But you got to remember that, you know, hands are some of the first things kids are seeing. They, you know, holding things in their hands and making, you know, faces with their hands. 
And it's just a very easy way to, you know, just speak to kids. I, I just, I, there's got to be something there. I know there's there's some studies behind the fact that they're just using human hands of different shades for different characters. There's, it, it's a show that has not only a cult following, but is the most widely distributed Noggin show in over 23 markets worldwide by 2005. Um, and there's even been foreign adaptations of Ubi all around the world. It, it's it's a wonderful show, a simple puppetry show uh, that uh, has to be seen. So highly recommend at least looking it up so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you're going to have to see it for yourself. And on another show that you're going to have to see for yourself, 20 years ago on February 10th, 2002, we had the final episode of Action League Now on Nickelodeon, originally starting out as a series of shorts that aired on Kablam, a, a staple of Kablam. I don't think there was a single episode without actually, I mean, there's probably an episode without Action League now, but it, like that was a, the main course of Kablam because there was always two segments of Action League now, part one and part two. And the segments proved to be so popular that Nickelodeon just spun it off into its own show, which re-aired all of the Kablam shorts together, but with a lot of newer interludes in between those segments to kind of pad out as an entire series. For those who have never heard of Action League now, who have never seen it, once again, of anything, this is the one that you really should look up, but it is a quote-unquote stop... I mean, there are stop-motion elements to this show, but it is a stop-motion show with action figures taking the center stage and living in this world where the house around them basically serves as as a community. It's a house where clearly people are living in it. But, for example, if you wanted to go fishing at a lake, you'd go to the toilet as an action figure. Uh, like the community pool is, I, I think, in the in the bathtub, things like that. Like and there's a whole outside world, too. But there's a, a, a group of superheroes that are not really that good but that's the joke and there's just a lot of quirky comedy to be found but the real joke here is a, a lot of the times the way that they use these toys and destroy these toys it is extremely funny to watch i mean when you can see some of these action figures get put through a blender or being flushed down a toilet i mean as a kid that stuff's kind of funny and if you played with action figures it was the kind of show that would you know, you'd see that and go like, wow, I kind of do some of these things. Certainly not using blenders with my action figures, but I, I can't recommend it enough. The show was created by Robert Mittenthal, Will McRobb, and Albie Hecht. Uh, and I just, I can't, check that stuff out. It, it's either through Kablam or through the actual series on Paramount+. Plus. Check out either of them. Not sponsored by them, by the way. It's just the easiest place to send you for those uh, for those shows. Uh, as mentioned on last week's episode, uh, a show that premiered all the way back in 1997, 25 years ago, a spinoff series from Gullah Gullah Island titled Binya Binya, which aired five episodes for one episode each day for one week. Uh, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't it was filmed 25 years ago, but 24 years ago is when it aired from February 2nd to February 6th, 1998. This show aired once, never was reared again, and is pretty much one of the holy grail pieces of Nickelodeon lost media. Because although a few promos and, and pieces of footage have, you know, surfaced online, 
as far as I know, there has not been full episodes um, released online, only just snippets here and there. And that is about it. So, um, hey, I don't know where who out there in the country has VHS tapes where they were taping Nickelodeon back in 1998. But uh, if, if you might know somebody who happens to have uh, who have those, I mean, you can upload, you know, find ways to upload that footage to the Internet, because that, that's like I said, one of the holy grails of, of lost media here. Um, not like I don't know if it would be considered the holy grail by now, because um, there have certainly been other pieces of Nickelodeon lost media. Uh, which I, we should we should cover on this show sometime. Not that I'm thinking about it, but yeah, there have been other other pieces that certainly then have been found. Uh, the 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 sh the animated short with the clock guy is one that comes to mind of of people just for years trying to trying to discover this thing and then ending up rediscovering it later on. So anything can happen. Binyam Binya, for all we know, could be released at some point in 2022 in its entirety through through Nickelodeon's own means, maybe through their YouTube channel and their Nick Jr. channel on Paramount Plus. I, they have to have those episodes somewhere in the archives. It's just five episodes. Throw them up on there. I don't, I don't know. 29 years ago, on February 7th, 1993, the final episode of the original Double Dare aired on Nickelodeon. Presented by Mark Summers, Double Dare is as classic as you can get with a game show that is associated with Nickelodeon. Um, it is just one of the greatest game shows in the history of television. I, I'm not even saying that as hyperbole. I truly believe that. Uh, no, it's not in the top five, but hey, top ten, uh, Double Dare has got to be in that equation. Uh, it just is an absolutely fun show. Um 482 episodes of the original Double Dare exist. The show has a litany of creators, and I will go down their names right now. Jeffrey Darby, Michael Klinghoffer, Dean LaDuke, and Robert Mittenthal. Oh, yet again, here we are, Robert, once once more. Um, th those are the original creators of Double Dare, and as, as mentioned, it was presented by Mark Summers, who just... I've met Mark, absolutely wonderful human being. Shout out to Mark Summers and, and shout out to the entire crew over there at Double Dare. It's a show that I just, with no hesitation, would know I would dominate at. I attended Double Dare live twice, luckily, when it was doing its its run over the last uh, few years. I unfortunately was not able to uh, to play the game, but uh, but I, I think I think Mark you know, knew that, that he didn't want the smoke when he met me. I, I, I showed up with a t-shirt that was pretty much double daring him to get me up on stage. I, I think he got out of that kitchen pretty quickly. I mean, you know, it's one thing to just have a, a dominating player on the team, but if you're just going to have one person that's going to outshine every other person on the stage, uh, yeah, you leave him in the seats. I completely understand that why I was benched on that day, but uh, double dare, just if you've never watched Double Dare, I know that there was a newer iteration uh, on Nickelodeon. But if if for some reason you even missed that, certainly it is a game show that is well worth watching. There are full episodes of the original series on YouTube. I believe there are also full episodes of the original series on Paramount+. Plus. Check those out. That is a show that I absolutely like. Even just watching one episode in full, it's a game show. It's 22 minutes. Go have yourself some fun. Uh, it, it trivia is involved. The slopstical course is unforgettable. Of course, there's the big nose. There's the giant hamster wheel. That's always a fun time. The soda jerk. 
um, the, the amount of going into slides into ice cream and muffins and uh, waffles and pancakes sliding through the, the grease tunnels. There's so many classic Slopsicle course uh, uh, segments that there's just too many to count, too many to go over, but uh, it's well worth your time. You, you just can't not smile when watching Double Dare or just if you don't like game shows at all, I guess there's that possibility. But I mean, then then there's just no pleasing you at that point. I, who doesn't have fun watching a game show? Uh, boring people. That's who. And we are ending today's episode all the way back 31 years ago on February 9th, 1991, to the adventures of Pete and Pete's very first special on Nickelodeon, created by Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi. The Adventures of Pete and Pete originally started out as a series of shorts that aired on Nickelodeon in between the shows uh, just during the commercial breaks. Eventually, those shorts would prove to be popular, where five specials were created of the Adventures of Pete and Pete world, the first of which premiered 31 years ago, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Now, these are not considered a part of the first season of the show. Uh, between 1991 and 1993, five specials were created of the characters before they would eventually get their own series that premiered on November 28th, 1993 and would go on for three seasons. Uh, the world of The Adventures of Pete and Pete has always proved to be extremely popular with fans. And of the time, if you were watching that show, it was unlike any other show that was on television. I, anytime I've talked about it, and, and anytime anyone talks about the adventures of Pete and Pete, like the one phrase that to me has always made sense as as far as how to explain the show is it feels like a fever dream. There are things a part of this world. It's like the Twilight Zone. It, it's there are parts of this world that in world it makes sense to the characters, but the way you're watching it and the way you understand society, it's almost nonsensical. There are characters that exist in this world that are beyond cartoony, but are, are played straight into the T. Um, there are, are situations that the characters find themselves that feel completely unrealistic, but within the confines of their society, it just works. And I know this sounds like it's a super wacky place and it is, but it's also grounded in its own reality, which helps like just make your mind go like, what am I watching? I have not not smiled anytime I've watched an Adventures of Pete and Pete episode to this day. They are still bingeable episodes. Uh, please, Nickelodeon, Paramount, Viacom, whoever can listen out there, release the third season finally that I know is sitting in boxes in some warehouse just ready to be released like can, can you just Amazon can pick them up? You don't even have to lift a finger. Can, can we do that? Um, but yeah, that well worth your time is the adventures of Pete and Pete. Uh, I, I think it is just bar none, a show that has stood the test of time in terms of quality and in terms of the kind of entertainment that Nickelodeon was helping to bring to young minds. And it's a real shame that we never got that Adventures of Pete and Pete movie, which for those uh, who don't know, and this is just one of those those long standing pieces of trivia, the Nickelodeon movie Snow Day was originally meant to be an Adventures of Pete and Pete movie. And uh, I even got that confirmed myself, having met both uh, Danny Tamborelli and Michael C. Mardona. 
Um, the wonderful gentlemen, absolutely love them. Uh, another shout out to their Adventures of Danny and Mike podcast. Uh, if you are a fan of the Adventures of Pete and Pete, I implore you to check their podcast out. They give out quality entertainment over there. And uh, and for that, that is the end of this week in Nickelodeon history. As always, my name is Captain Eric. Uh, thank you for being a part of my week. I appreciate you making me a part of yours. If you enjoy any of the content I put out, if there is a way that you can help it grow by liking the video, sharing the video, sharing the Spotify link of the podcast, letting people know that this podcast exists, or just saying hi in a comment, any of that, will bring a smile to my face, and I appreciate you all immensely. So, as always, please stay safe, and we will see you here next week. On the Lord hut, hero hut, Nick. On the Lord hut, hero hut, Nick, Nick. On the rickety low while living number one, Nickelodeon.